You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to the Sports Blog New York Podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, SoundCloud, and now on Spotify. Joining me today, my guy. He was with us last week to talk Yankees ALDS. Well, let me tell you what. It's time to talk Yankees ALCS. We just don't know the opponent just yet, but that's okay because there's plenty of stuff to talk about. We're going to recap last series, and uh, that guy is Alec Argento. What's up, dog? Oh, I'm feeling good, Petey. Feeling good. Nice little bye week this week while we wait for the uh, the number one seed in the wild card seed to duke it out in game five. Feeling good over here. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, who would have thought um, of all the series that the Astros would have been in a game five, obviously with a short series, so many different things can happen. It really just takes one moment or two to, to flip the whole thing. But the Astros, the big juggernaut, the favorite to win the World Series for mostly all of the year, now they're playing game five, Thursday night, elimination game against the, the scrappy Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, it, I, th- I think it's a dream come true scenario for the Yankees right now. We're going to get into all of that. But also on today's podcast, after we talk some Yankees, it's time for me and Alec to shoot the breeze on the New York Knickerbockers. Ain't that right, Alec? That's a surprise. I didn't know that was on the docket. I'm excited about that. Oh, well, it is on the docket. Why shouldn't it be? It's time. It's preseason, and you and I can really talk Knicks at drop of a hat. So I figured, since we don't know our opponent yet for the Yankees, we can discuss a little bit about both the Rays and the Strohs, obviously discuss the Yankees at length and their uh, roster decisions and what they did in the series prior. But also, it's a great time to just see what we're thinking about the New York Knicks because it's that time of year, baby. It's October. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Best month of the year. I said it last week, but uh, my girlfriend's not happy with me because every day I'm watching a different game. <laughs> that's it. And when you're watching all these games at night, there's a great way to spend your day, and that's by listening to the SBNY podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to hit us up on Apple Podcast app and iTunes with a subscribe, a rating, and a review. But for now, stay tuned and just keep keep posted right here because you're going to hear some great stuff right now on the Sportsblog New York podcast. One, two. Cross. If it's fair, it's gone. Grand slam, Gregorius. Absolute moonshot by D.D. Gregorius. The moment of the ALDS when D.D. did one of the greatest pimp jobs you can find in playoff baseball. I don't know if it was quite Joey Bats style, Jose Bautista a couple years back on the Blue Jays, but gosh damn, it was close. Al, when you saw D.D. pimp, the crap out of a grand slam, swing his arms up and down like he's a boss, and then just strut around the bases. I mean, wh- first of all, where were you? And second of all, what the hell was going through your head, if anything at all? Well, unfortunately, I was not at the game. I was at game one, which is electric. But uh, I, at first, the way he was doing it, I thought that ball was going foul. I thought he knew something that I didn't know. The way that he, he obviously pulled the ball, it was down the line, and uh, 
you found out after the game, he knew it was going, he was about to pimp it. And then he was, eh, let's not do this right now. This can come back and bite me in the ass. So um, that was one of the greatest moments of, of, of playoff history in recent years for the Yankees, along with a lot of other Didi Gregorius versus the twins moments <laughs> that happened uh, <laughs> recently. He just owns the twins. And, and, and uh, a lot of people were saying going into this series that these weren't your, your father's twins. They were your father's twins. They were your father's twins, your grandfather's twins, your great-grandfather's twins. This is the same team as what we thought they were going to be. And it was just an absolute shellacking for three games. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I used those exact words, like a weenie. I thought it was kind of being like, it's like a cute term. It's kind of fun, calling them not your grandfather's twins. And then I listened to a a couple other previews and some radio shows, and I was like, damn, everyone's using that term. I am not creative at all. This is definitely your grandfather's (laughs) twins. I thought I was doing something special, and it turns out. I wasn't, but neither were the twins because they really, they kind of rolled out a dud. I mean, was there one point in a game, like even just one game where you were truly like, this game is in question? I'm not talking about the series because that never really happened. But was there a point where you were like, this game is really in question? I mean, the first three innings of game one, maybe. Um, But when you're playing at Yankee Stadium, and, and I think the, the Tyler Duffy, I think his name is, the reliever of the Twins said this. The Yankees, there's no, there's no fans in, in any sport, in my opinion, like Yankee Stadium fans during the playoffs. We hate you. That's the exact line that Tyler Duffy said. He says the, the, like he said something about the, the Red Sox and uh, uh, Boston's a fun, their fans are fun. In New York, they just hate you. And that's exactly true. So we were, we were down, I think, for a run in the first three innings of game one. Uh, after like an Eddie Rosario and, and, and uh, I think it was uh, Miguel Sano home run. But as soon as you give the Yankee Stadium crowd something to root for, something to cheer for, you're done. You have If you don't keep them out of the game, you are done. So from the third inning on, there was never a doubt in my mind that the Yankees weren't going weren't gonna to win this series. And, and you know, I, I think I confessed to you, I don't know if it was on the podcast, but I definitely confessed to you personally that I was a little worried about the Twins. You just yeah, you did. About them. I think you said it on both, and, podcasts and real life. Yeah, and, you know, I, I honestly don't think that the Twins are like were a bad team. I think the Yankees just outplayed them in everything that they do. Like, so it's not like, I don't even know if it was just because they were the Twins and they, they got it in their head and everything like that. The Yankees just played fantastic on every side of the ball. They made one mistake the entire series, which was a, pop, a drop pop, a pop fly by uh, DJ LeMahieu that ultimately didn't affect anything. They snared every uh, line drive that was going past first, second, and third, uh, in short, and, and every everyone was making plays all over the field. Uh, even John Carlos Stanton made his plays, which was a little scary uh, when you get the fly ball and, and Brett Gar- is waving him off in, in the uh, you know the foul line on the other side, but uh, pitching was fantastic. Starting pitching, relief pitching, uh, Boone was making every right call. Uh, the the defense was just fantastic with, with Judge making great plays, DD making a ton of great plays, Glaber, uh, DJ playing awesome first base, which was something that worried me. Uh, Encarnacion uh, hitting was. Um, you know, the guy can just wake up out of bed at any point in, in, in the year and just get you three hits in a game. It's it's incredible. And just the hitting down down and up uh, up and down the, the, the order was fantastic. And even though you had people like Gary and 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 uh, Stanton who weren't getting a lot of hits, they still were doing things right. Stanton was working walks. Gary was 
getting deep into count. And, and I actually, a little shout out to me. I, I, I got my first radio call on this week. I, I called yeah. the K show just to talk about, uh, no, nobody's talking about how, how fantastic Garrett Sanchez was uh, behind the plate, um, during the series called three fantastic games, no pass balls. And, and I think one of the biggest things he did this series too, is, you know, keeping the pitchers, um, calm, you know, Severino was getting jacked up in that in that game uh, game three when he had that bases loaded and got the second out uh and gary looked at him and just said calm down right we, we still got work to do and I, I think that that's a that really shows his maturity um and, and just all over the ball all both sides of the ball all over the, uh, the parts of the game was just awesome to watch yeah i mean i could just tell right now just listening to you you're jacked up about this you're feeling good you're feeling confident and that's awesome i mean it was a series that was a confidence booster because even though the Yankees had this great season, battling through many uh, adverse uh, things that were happening to him with all the injuries and whatnot, you know, it wasn't like this team was perfect. There was always at one point of the at, at different points of the year, there was always one thing that could have been better. In the beginning of the year, it was the lineup because of the health. In the middle of the year, it was um, some bullpen health, and then it was the starting pitching was the big issue coming into the year. I mean, into the postseason, and now putting that all together and seeing it. All at once, everybody top to bottom, from Glaber and Judge down to Urshela and Stan and Sanchez, like you said, not getting the hits but doing other things that impacting the game. It really did come together very strong, and you're seeing the Astros and the Rays really duke it out. It has to feel fantastic. Now, I, I have a question for you because we did make some predictions last week on the podcast with you, uh, myself, and Andrew Kalania. You, you and him kind of both agreed that the X factor was Brett Gardner now, he did bat in that three-hole, right? Did you like that, and do you expect to see it moving forward, and do you still kind of consider him an F- X, or did you see him as an X-factor throughout that Twin Series? I don't know if he was an X-factor because I think that it, it, it's, I don't think that there was any standout player, maybe Glaber Torres, but everyone just did their job, right? So I, I don't think that you could call him an X-factor, but he did his job, right? I mean, he, right. he got big hits, got big RBIs, played great in the field, um, split up the the righties, which is what he was supposed to do. And at a certain point, you got to get out of that that way of thinking that you know the three hole hitter has to be your best hitter in the lineup, right? It's it's just advanced athletics. And if you just consider him a cog in the machine, he did exactly his job uh, in, in that series. And uh, you know, we we said that he would be the X factor, but you know, I think that what what we both also agreed with is that coaching was going to be the most important thing to us. And that's, that's what came out huge for us. And I think you said it yourself. And I, I tend to agree. I, I think judge is the de facto best player. The most talented player will be, you know, the heart and soul of this team, but throughout this season and entering the playoffs, it's all about Glaber. No, like Glaber Torres has showed again and yeah. again that the dude can just rake and the dude can just field. He's just a top notch baseball player top to bottom and it's incredible to watch he's so humble he wants to impress the media and the fans and he tries his ass off to speak english which you know he's getting better at obviously i but, love that like, i love that it makes well, me I'll, so I'll happy him on that. It, oh 100% i i'm not trying to laugh at him i'm just like it's funny because you don't always see a guy care that much he wants to make every play he wants to be the man he wants to treat new york city fans properly and it's amazing you, don't, you just don't get guys like that that often I think Judge is that guy we talked a couple weeks back about how Pete Alonzo could be that guy um, Glaber's that guy too and I think uh, he may be one more year of doing this away from truly getting the credit and getting looked at as one of the best players in baseball because I think he was just under that rung this season but for what he did with Judge being oh, out for so long second season 
Yeah, it's just, <laughs> exactly. And this dude comes out and uh, has five hits and twelve at bats, four extra base hits in, in the D- in the ALDS in three games. I love Glaber Torres, and I think he's one year away now from being looked at like uh, Bregman and Correa. Because I think right now his name brand is still a little bit below them because he's in New York and they haven't won just yet. And like you said, it's only his second season. But this dude deserves all the shouts and all the praise you can possibly give him because he's incredible to watch and an incredible talent. Yeah, and and I think I mentioned this next week. And not to get ahead of the offseason, but you you should start getting used to the idea that, that there's a good possibility that Didi's not going to be your shortstop next year, because he not only does he play a fantastic second base, but he plays an awesome shortstop. It's his natural position too. So he gives, he gives you versatility, which is even more important. And and I think that that's, you look around, around our, our lineup, we have a lot of versatility there and, and that doesn't, we don't win without that versatility. You know, with the injuries that we have, we don't win if, unless you could put DJ and Glaber all over the diamond. Right. So I, I think that, Glaber just does it all. He's a fantastic fielder. He's getting better and better. Um, he cut down on the mental mistakes that he had last year with the throwing errors, and, and get, you know the game really slowed down for him. And he just hits extra. He, he gets extra base hits, and, and he's gonna as he gets bigger. I mean, this is like I, I said it last year with um, with Miguel Andujar, but but you see it with Glaber too. Manny Machado when he first came into the league was hitting a lot of doubles. Those doubles, as he got older and stronger, became a lot of home runs. That's what you're going to see out of Glaber Torres. It even shocks him. He never sees himself as a, as a home run hitter. I know that goes around a lot, but um, he's just going to get better. He's he's at the precipice of his career. He's just he's going to get he's going to be huge in, in the sport of baseball. Yeah, I can't wait For to two see two months of Chapman <laughs> to get Chapman back. Yeah, uh, one of um a friend of the show, I'll yeah. say, he's been on the podcast actually. Tweeted out an old picture of Glaber Torres back in his Cubs uniform. And he, he said it properly because he did kind of play both sides. Bra- braces on. Yeah, with the braces. And he says the clubs traded Glaber Torres for a World Series, which in theory is kind of true. It's like, but, but. You do that trade every time. You do that trade every time. But, goddamn, the Yankees made out on this deal like bandits as well. I mean, you got to say it's a win-win because the Cubs did get that ring. But the Yankees are looking back at that trade like, hell Yeah. What a move by us! Like pat me on the back twice. That's incredible. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really awesome. And Glaber isn't obviously a homegrown guy because we just said he got traded, but he does feel like he is a true part of this organization uh, in the sense that he is homegrown a Jace, right? It's not like he came in as a proven guy. He came in. Pro- I don't know. I think he came in and proved I it. I think it's. I think if you break into the majors as a minor league. I think if you break into the majors as a uh, whatever, if you came in and he came in, I think he was in single A, right? So right, he, he was down. He there. went to, to double A trend and then he went into, yeah. So I mean, like you know, it, it very rarely are do, do players, you know, get drafted and go through the farm system on, on their own team and do like you know, there's the Rule Five draft and just player to be named later and whatnot. So right, uh, he's our guy. He's he was our prospect. You know what I mean? I, he when he was on the prospect top 100 list as number two, he was there as a Yankee, right? So I, I, that's that's how I always think of it. And he feels like he feels like the Yankees. I, I love to see it. Another question we kind of circled around this before, so let's get back to it and hammer it out. We talked about Brett Gardner at length in the three-hole. You just mentioned it, how people need to kind of get it out of their heads that it doesn't need to be some extraordinary power hitter or one of the best hitters on your team to be in a three-hole. It's more analytical than that, and obviously the righty-lefty-righty thing is important to the Yankees. Now, in theory, Didi Gregorius could and should be a better option than Brett Gardner there. 
but DD was struggling. He never truly, truly got back from his injury and became the DD we got used to at different points of uh, seasons prior. But he showed he showed out in the DS, right? He looked really good. He had that big grand slam. Obviously, he had a couple other hits, some walks. He he looked good, DD, right? Do you want to see that lineup continuously tinkered with, and do you want to see DD in that three hole, or are you just rolling with what you got? No. You, why work with something that's changed, right? I mean, I I, 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 I don't know if you saw this, but you know, obviously there's 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 people talking about what the next stage of the the roster is going to look like for the ALCS, and uh, Aaron Hicks says he's ready. CC seems to be back, and uh, even I think you see, you take CC over Tyler Lyons, but in terms of like Aaron Hicks, you, I don't even know if there's a spot for him right now. Everything's been going too well for you to change things. Right, you got to run with what's working. The the lineup is just so balanced. I mean, you look at that seven, eight, and nine. Gary Sanchez, Dita Gregorius, and uh, and Gio Rochelle. How the hell are you supposed to get through you know, you, the seven, eight, the eight, uh, seven, eight, nine? Insane. Uh, you got to keep everything exactly the way it's going, especially if you're playing a team like the Rays. If if that's what happens, because you know exactly how to game plan them, and you don't want you don't want to get in anybody's head, right? You want to just keep things rolling the way that it is. I think that's fair. I, I I'll be interested to see if you know um, there is more tinkering now, just because there is more room for it. Uh, does Cameron Maben stay on the on the roster? Is that a thing? Like, is Hicks replace Maben? May, maybe. I think you gotta <laughs> keep Cameron Maben. I I don't I don't think you you mess with anything. I mean, Aaron Hicks hasn't hasn't seen live ball in two months. Why would you throw him into the flames? I know he wants to come back and contribute, just like Mike Ford does and Jordan Montgomery does and Clint Frazier does, right? All these people are, are just itching to get into the game, but you're, you're not on the team right now for for a reason because you were hurt for for two plus months. We have a guy, Cameron Maven, who came in as a defensive replacement and hit a home run right away, right? And that came three. So, do you, I know it's nice to have Aaron Hicks because he's a switch hitter and a, and a gold, gold caliber center fielder, but I think you're not taking Brett Gardner out of the lineup, right? You're not going to take John Carlos Stanton out of the lineup. Okay, you move. You put Aaron Hicks in, in center. You put Brett in left. Then you put uh, uh, Stanton in VH. You're you're going to start um, uh, Encarnacion at first? Absolutely not. You're not going yeah. to start. And Encarnacion needs to be even in the lineup if you too. Do, exactly. And even if you do, um, you move DJ then to third, and then you get rid of Gio Rochello, who's been fantastic in the playoffs and all year. Right? There's there's no room for Hicks right now. That's that's like uh, I'm sorry, but like you're not. There's no room for you on the team right now. And and we've said this before, but who's who's going like who are you going to pinch hit for? Right. It's, there's, right. There's no there's no one on the lineup to pinch hit for. The only thing I could see happening because I do think CC makes the the CS uh, roster uh, for for Lions, even though Lions look all right. Um, I, I think you might see Aaron Hicks come in for Luke Voigt. Because I don't think Luke Voigt sniffing sniffing a plate appearance in, in, in this postseason. Right, and you're talking defensive replacement now. Obviously, Cameron Maben is more than capable to do that. I mean, there's not many more uh, better defensive replacements than Aaron Hicks either. You know, so if you're talking about strategy, but Hicks also come off the bench as a switch hitter. That's that, that's the only reason I can think that they would put him on the bench over Luke Voigt because then you get then you get someone off the bench who can hit anybody. Right, hundred percent. So I, I think I think Hicks sneaks his way onto this roster. If I'm if I'm a betting man, I'm gonna say Hicks is on the roster. I'm not sure if that is taking Maven out or taking Voigt out. I think because of the versatility of the other guys with Lemayhu, Urshela, and Encarnacion, maybe Voigt's the odd man out. So I don't know if it's Voigt or Maven, but I do think Hicks does get on this roster. And CC, 
like you said, Lions look good and all, but it feels like CC has to be on this team. No, it feels like he has to be a presence. Yeah. He has to be there in some way, shape, or form, and he may just give you two good innings. I, at the end of the day, you just want you want CC there, right? You mm-hmm. want a guy mm-hmm. like that. You, you this team is full of chemistry out, out at best, right? And, and the people at the top of that are people like CC Sabathia, and and they want to win it for CC. CC wants to win it for himself in his last year, so he can go out and cement his his Hall of Fame career, right? Let him get his action. He's going to be a, a freaking gamer as he always was in the playoffs. CC has always been an awesome uh, playoff pitcher, even in his older years. In the past couple of years, he's been great. And you know, there's certain players that you come into the postseason with who just perform, right? Tanaka, Gregorius, like these are guys that come in and throw away what they did in the regular season because they're going to come in and perform. They're going to mash and they're going to they're going to strike people out. And CC's one of those guys. I, listen, I, I understand you don't want him in a starting role, but if he comes off the bench, uh, comes out of the bullpen with that energy to uh, for for a couple batters, right? And Instead of burning Ottavino for for a, a one uh, hitter that, that that he walks, which is ridiculous in my opinion, but it worked. <laughs> right. But um, you know, it's it's nice to have someone like Cece who could actually be a lefty specialist, right? Absolutely. And, and he can, and if he gets the guy out and he likes the matchup after that, let him go. Cece's always pretty good for the first time around the order. So um, Cece should sniff the, sniff the roster. Now, I, if you don't mind, I want to just talk about that Luke. Will- thing though uh, get rid of him because if you get rid of Luke Voigt my one question is then don't you want a natural first baseman on the roster in some capacity right because god forbid something happens to one of the players and DJ has to move over um you know DJ's not even himself a great first baseman like I, I know that he played well in that book in the, the ALDS but he's not a first baseman but it's his worst position and he's playing it for the postseason and Cardenasione I don't want anywhere near first base um so don't you want a Luke, uh, a Luke Voigt or a Mike Ford on the, on the roster? Um, and, and uh, you know, is there anyone else you can get off the roster to put Aaron Hicks on there? Did Hicks ever play first base? Did he play? No, a little, no, no. right. I thought for some reason, maybe he played no. a little first base at one point when like Greg bird couldn't figure it out and he wasn't starting, but I, maybe I made that up. Um, I think Austin Romine might be able to play a little bit of first. I just, you know, it's, it's tough because you're right. You want to have that versatility defensively and, God forbid, of injury. You don't want to be left out to dry with a guy who's just completely not comfortable at a place that sees the ball on almost every play. You know, like every non-fly ball, the first baseman yeah. has to do something. And people really do poo-poo um, what a first baseman does. I mean, that sliding play that Glaber Torres got all the credit for up in right field, that was an awesome play by the first baseman he he shot out to almost make a play on the ball yep. and then sprinted back to first and made a tough catch uh that was bang bang play to get the runner out that is not an easy play and you throw Encarnacion out there I mean he's probably making it to first base because he doesn't even try to get the ball but like I mean granted Carnacion was actually a good fielder in his day third baseman he was pretty nice but now he's fat and slow so like right, you probably don't want him out now. there exactly <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough call, and I, I honestly I don't know if I have the answer personally. Like I have a little bit of affinity for Hicks, but based off of what you're saying and based off of how this team has been a well-oiled machine thus far, it's going to be tough to not keep it the same and not keep that um, safety blanket of having that first baseman who is a pretty damn good power hitter in his own right. He's just been a little cold in Luke Voigt. It's tough. It's a really tough call. I mean, Cashman, I give him all the credit in the world all the time. But, I mean, in Cashman, we trust, no? 
Yeah, it's just hard not to roll with the guys that got you there. That's always my way of thinking, right? I, I love you, Aaron Hicks. I think you're a great player, but you weren't here this year. You were here and other guys stepped up. Let's let the guys that stepped up this year do it and just get, get yourself right for next year. Right. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do, um, and we'll talk more about it. Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm joined here with Alec Argento. Hit us up on Twitter at SportBlogNYC. My personal Twitter at Pete Kennedy with two Ys. And uh, Alec Argento at Alec Argento ESPN. Check them out. We're talking all things sports. Uh, another thing we're not getting to just yet, but just stay tuned for a little bit longer. We're going to be talking a little bit Knicks. We're going to be getting into it because uh, the basketball season is really, really close. NBA Outsiders episodes coming up next week. I actually have a guest on from NBA Math and Bleacher Report next week. Dan Favalli is going to join us on the podcast to talk some NBA preview. But right now, back to the Yankees. Um, Alec, obviously we don't know yet who the Yankees' opponent is. But let's just say, you know, right now we're talking on hypotheticals here. Let's say it's the Astros, right? They are favored to, to still win the series, even though it's a it's an elimination game. What have you seen from the Astros to either to lean you in either direction? Obviously, you're still more scared of them than the Rays, but what have you seen from them that either keeps you scared or makes you less scared than you were coming into the postseason? Sure. So... Uh, more scared, Garrett Cole. Uh, Garrett Cole had 15 strikeouts against <laughs> against the Rays last game. So, I, I mean, I do fully expect the Rays to get shut out tomorrow. Um, less scared, uh, you know, I, I've never really been scared of Zach Greinke just because he's kind of – I don't want to diminish the social anxiety issues that he has, <laughs> but, you know, playoff baseball is a tough scene. You want to call that's, him – you that's, let's, let's just call it spade a spade. I was going to say, let's call it spade a spade. You want to call We're, him a mental midget right now, don't you? <laughs> I want to, but I won't because I don't want to be insensitive. To no, anyone, I, but, you you got to um, feel for the guy because clearly he's dealing with something, right? Like at the podium or at press conferences, he looks like scared, you know, like, so it's tough. You feel bad for the guy, but also words in that entire press conference. Not oh crazy. Gosh, I think we've said 6,200 words since we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You got nothing else on the Astros? You know, I thought you'd jump back into it. <laughs> oh, you, know, you, you were talking. You were talking. Oh, you know, I'm uh, waiting yeah, no, for you so, to, so, so, so you to break it down. I, yeah. So, so going to a game five is ultimately the best case scenario for the Yankees, right? For no, no matter who wins, obviously you hope that it's the Rays so that you get home field advantage. Not that the Rays are going to be an easy ticket, but you want home field advantage. But um, with the Astros, uh, going to a game five means that you're going to see Greinke twice. Who is obviously the weakest of the uh, of, of their you know three aces, their, their three horsemen or whatever you want to call them? It also means you're going to see one, one uh, a pitcher that's not one of those three players because of this, right? And I think that that's huge. And what what I think is the biggest takeaway from from this series is that Justin Verlander will give up home runs. And if Justin this year has just been different for him. You know, solo home runs don't kill you in the regular season. They might kill you in the playoffs. I, I think that that's a fair thing to do, right? When when each run matters so much, and and the Rays were not were were not a good home running team, home run hitting team this year. I think they're around league average. Yankees are obviously a fantastic home run hitting game uh, team, right? So if Verlander is hittable this year for those solo home runs, and he's matching up against a, a, a Tanaka or something like that, like years past, you got to feel good about your chances especially if he's at home uh, against the Yankees, uh, if, if he's in Yankee Stadium there. So you're going to get Granke in game one, who I think is pretty beatable, as evidenced by you know the game against the, the, the Rays the other day, uh, which means you, you probably lose game two. 
uh, it, it, for sure. Uh, and then you go at home and you take care of business at home. And so far, the Yankees have been able to show that they can do that, and, and the history would tend to show that. Uh, I think the Yankees got the magic this year. So uh, personally, uh, you know, you just kind of see it every year with, with a certain team. And uh, I like the Yankees' chances, but don't get me wrong, I'm a lot more scared of the Astros than I was of the Twins. So yeah, we'll see how that works out there. For sure. And your your playoff beard is looking a little magical too. I must add. Oh, it's so patchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's so patchy. It's gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I love, uh, so I love a good playoff beer. I, 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 I have a regular beer that I keep pretty, like, trimmed out i guess um but i i didn't know when i should grow it start growing or not and i panicked so the there's layers of my beard uh some of it is just longer <laughs> significantly longer than others and it's just all yuck i accidentally <laughs> did a playoff beard just because i haven't shaved since friday and because it's just sheer laziness i probably uh, I'm, you, I'm not you can't you can't shave it well i'm not i'm not a yankee fan it doesn't matter i need you to do it You're i can do whatever i can do whatever i want how about that? You know how I, know, I but you won't because you're a pal. You know how I feel about superstition. It's super silly. Yeah, and you know how I feel about superstition. I'm very superstitious. <laughs> it's fair. I won't shave. I won't shave it for you. Don't worry. I'll I'll, I'll keep it on locks for you. Um, Thank you. I noticed though when you were talking about the Astros, you didn't mention uh, you know any hitters. You didn't mention the lineup. You didn't say anything about about their their deadly lineup that was so good all year. Um, like, is that something that's not really scaring you? You know, it's not like the Yankees pitching staff is, I mean, the bullpen's fantastic. Some of the stars look really good, but, uh, you're not nervous about that. So, I, I mean, this is how I think, right. And, and I, I want to frame this in a certain way. A lot of people say that the Yankees starting pitching isn't as good, isn't championship caliber, because what they're really doing is comparing it to the Astros, who have three Cy Young winners, right? Or I don't know if Garrett Cole has ever won one. He's going to be a favorite this year. Um, So that being said, you have really good pitchers on the Yankees. I know if you really look at their stats, they're good pitchers. And I think that's the same thing is going on with the Astros, right? I, I think that the Astros hitters, the Yankees hitters are fantastic like they're they they, this might be one of the best lineups in the history of the sport and i think the astros are just below that so um i don't think the astros are a bad team by any stretch i think they're a fantastic uh hitting team but i think our hitters are just better you know if you look up and down like altuve hasn't had the year that he's had in years past right you look at people like bregman who's obviously been fantastic this year and george springer had a really good year but you know correa he's he's not been the correa past uh I'm not really worried about Robinson, Chirinos. You know, there are there are players on that lineup that you can get past. Whereas you look at the Yankees lineup, and there's not there's not right. And, and, and you know, I know I know Stanton had a Stanton and Gary didn't really have the greatest uh, uh, postseason so far, but you still can't throw the meatballs at the plate, right? <laughs> so yeah. uh, no, I think I, I while I think that they have a fantastic uh, hitting team, I just think that our team is just the Yankees are just significantly better in every respect I, I don't think i've ever seen a lineup you know and I, I was actually looking at the 2009 yankees lineup which was a monster of a squad and uh you know with a bunch of hall of famers and perennial all-stars and, and that was one of the best offenses that i've ever seen in my life and this one just this one just better wow. i never thought i'd see a better uh offense than that team this one just is clearly better than that team so um their hitter their hitters are worrisome of course but you know, if if you want to get into if you want to get into a mash fest, we're going to win that battle, right? Right. 
Yeah. Uh, I, the Yankees lineup, man, it's just so balanced. It's so deep. It, it's incredible that you, you can't take a batter off. You really can't. When you're facing a guy like Gio Urshela or, you know, Didi Gregorius in the second half of the lineup, what do you like? That's so tough. And and now we are talking about the pitching for the Astros being a big strength, obviously. But uh, starting pitchers in the playoffs are only doing so much nowadays. Now maybe their their big three is an exception to that rule. Um, how, how, how's their how's their bullpen look though? Is it going to be a big emphasis uh, point to just get to that bullpen? What what's the Astros bullpen situation like? Yeah, I, I mean that that's always why the the, the Yankee the, the Astros have been the Yankees' bugaboo, right? Because their bullpen's fine. It's not a bad bullpen, but it's it's nowhere near what the Yankees have. But their starting pitchers just give you length, right? And and they are the only team I'd say in in the playoffs right now that have the ability to do that. Um, so while common practice these days is to you know, let's get them to, through two ways through the uh, the order and, and then we'll we'll figure it out from there and probably take them out. You're just not going to do that when, when Justin Verlander is, is pitching, you know, throwing zeros on the board and, and would, would Garrett Cole's throwing zeros on the board. So if you can get them out, like the, the threes did yesterday, and not have to worry about it uh, and just get a lead early, you're going to win that game, right? Because that's the thing with the Yankees is that if you get a lead going into the fifth or the sixth inning, you're going to win the game. That's just 100% of the time that's how it's going to be. But also in the, in the, the CS, you can't be as – liberal with your your relievers as you can be in the ds because you know there's just more games and less off days and and and, and, you know you need to win you need to win in a different way so um that's why that's why the astros always just beat the yankees in the playoffs is they have those pitchers that can go eight or nine innings and especially like verlander they'll have him throw 120 130 pitches uh in the playoffs against the yankees and it's like you get him to 100 pitches in the sixth inning but he'll go out and throw another 20 pitches in the seventh inning so that you have to you know you, right. you get an extra inning of him so. yeah he makes it tough i mean that guy is just getting better with age justin verlander is incredible and the home run thing was very except weird. the last week yeah true the the home run thing for him during the regular season was definitely strange with the just the sheer amount. Yet he was still basically dominating. It was it was very strange to be honest. But playoffs a one one home run changes a game way more than one home run in uh, you know June does. So it'll be interesting to mm-hmm. see. Now because we do not know, we're recording on Wednesday night. We do not know the Yankees opponent just yet. We do need to throw some love to the race. It's very possible they come out here and beat the Astros, which would be much to Yankee fans' delight. So let's let's throw the Rays some love here. Charlie Morton uh, can really pitch, man. He's got some filthy, filthy stuff. They got some other pitchers, and their lineup is sneaky talented as well. Um, what scares you about the Tampa Bay Rays if they were to be coming to town? I mean nothing. No, really. <laughs> um, are you, no, are you no, that confident? No I mean, this team is no. This team's not like they're not slouches. Like they're not, you know. Sure, sure. And, and this has nothing to do with the Rays, but it's like think of what what happens if think think of the whole thing as a whole, right? You, you played the, the 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 Rays and you went twelve and seven this year against them, and really you went twelve and five against them because they played them two games on a doubleheader and they lost those games because they were. You know, they were. That was when the Yankees were phoning it in at the end of the season. The race had to win those games. So I'm just going to say, for the in my head, they're 12 and five against them, and the Yankees would get home field advantage. The Yankees have destroyed the Rays at home this year. I, I, I don't know if they have more than two wins at Yankee Stadium this year. Uh, you get that. You get the majority games here, where in general you have an incredible home field advantage at Yankee Stadium, just the way that they, the way that the fans show up there. 
nothing worries me about the Rays. And I, I'm not saying that they don't have a fantastic pitching uh, a pitching uh, squad. I mean, and, and Kevin Cash is an incredible manager with the way that he can do the bullpenning and, and you know, you have Glasnow and um, Morton and, and Snell. But, I mean, the Yankees have seen these pitchers a lot and they've won those games against them. So I, I'm not really too worried about them. I'm not saying the Rays are a bad team. It's just it's the perfect it's the perfect matchup for the Yankees. Right. I mean, if you're the Yankees, how many other teams that are actually good? Obviously, you know, if you're going to pick if you pick the Orioles, you pick the Orioles. But how many teams that are good, near 100 win teams, would you prefer? Like, I think on that list, I think the A's just. Put, I mean, the A's actually. I don't know. Maybe the A's and Twins are still under them, but the Rays are not scary to the Yankees. I don't think the Yanks are going to be scared of them. I think, if anything, the Rays are going to be overwhelmed by the stadium. Uh, so, I feel you. I just wanted to throw it out there. I, I mean, you just look at the, the Rays lineup, though. They have some real talents, uh, talented players. I think Austin Meadows is just an absolute star. Yeah, but at the same time, they're also throwing, like, they're throwing Travis Darno and yeah. D-Man Choi out there, yeah, right? it's true. And, and they're it's doing true. well against the Astros. But, I mean, I, I, am I really worried about Travis Darno? I hope I'm, not. I'm not. I'm absolutely not. I think Mets fans have some nightmares about him, but uh, for different reasons. It's just him, It's just him like, breaking G-Man his thumb. D-Man Choi was in the Yankees... Yeah, yeah. G-Man Troy was in the Yankees of Farms and for years. He couldn't break the squad. I mean, and that was when we had Greg Bird <laughs> in the hole at first base, and we couldn't. We had nobody. I'm not worried about their lineup. Like I know Austin Meadows is having a good year, and Brandon Lau is having a good year. Tommy Pham is is doing well too. But like they don't have a one through nine, right? Like right. They, they have like four or five big hitters. I'm they, just not worried about them. They have a, would They have a Travis Darnell. <laughs> <laughs> they have exactly. tra- I mean, they have you know, Travis Darno. That's all you got. That's all I got to say. He starts for them. He's you, their best catcher. <laughs> you you look you if if you look at, through their lineup and compare it to the Yankees, I I want you to find me one player that's better on the Rays than it is on the Yankees in the, at the same position. You yeah. just you don't have it. You got one. I I'll give you one. I'll give you Meadows. Can is better than somebody on the Yankees. Who? I don't know. Gardner. No, but at the positions at, at the I, I don't. Know that he is. I mean, Gardner's Gardner's fantastic this year. Yeah, I mean, Gardner Gardner, Gardner did have a good year. So, at Meadows is what? Is he left field or center field? I think he does both. I mean, he probably plays left more. Right? Who plays yeah, center for that? So, I, I uh, Kiermaier. Kiermaier. Yeah, Kiermaier. Yeah, Kiermaier yeah. plays center. Yeah, so Kiermaier is better than, than Brett Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> We're comparing center fielders. I mean, I'm not, I mean, uh, Gardner's better than Kiermaier for comparing center fielders. So, yeah. you just looked out, you looked up and down, and, and I just think the Yankees beat them on every edge of the offense. They have a better bullpen. And that, that, the Rays have a fantastic bullpen, but the Yankees have a better bullpen. And their pitchers are, are better, but we've hit them all year, so I'm not really worried about them. Fair enough. I love it. All right, let's keep this thing rolling. Uh, before we talk Knicks, Alec Argento, one sentence. Explain to me the atmosphere, game one at Yankee Stadium. Uh, actually, give me give me two sentences. Give me one sentence on Billy's pregame, and then one sentence on the stadium uh, during the actual game. Huh. Uh, Billy's is is my church. Is the sentence that I'll use. Uh, I, I, I there's nothing better than Billy's before a playoff game. You can't move in the possible way. It was just an electric atmosphere, and everyone's just happy to be there. And you can get a beer easily because there's a thousand different bars, and there's a million people there. Um, and then about the stadium, um, just I think Tyler Duffy said it said it well. 
uh, we just hate you. <laughs> and I think that, that really sums it up the best. Uh, I want to steal it from him because no matter who comes up there, you are getting just destroyed. That the, the Uber chant, you know, whatever it's going to be, you hear things about their ex-girlfriends from high school being screamed in right field. Uh, it's it's just incredible stuff. So uh, I know it's a little bit more than a couple of the one, one sentence for each, but there's just nothing better than playoff baseball in, in, in the Bronx. I gave you one sentence as a parameter because I knew you'd just go about a minute, and that was perfect. That was exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> it sounded fantastic. I mean, uh, during the DD home run, I'm pretty sure half of a section got thrown out because they were jumping so much that beer, <laughs> like beer was spraying all over the place, and uh, they all got asked to leave kindly, which which sucks because it was an electric atmosphere. I'm sure you don't want to leave that, but I'm sure Billy's and stands got filled right back up after that moment. Um <laughs> It was electric, and I'm sure it's going to be just as electric in the CS. Uh, we'll keep talking about that as the Yankees' playoff run continues. Sports Blog New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy and Alec Argento. It's now time for our last segment, something that Alec and I can do, uh, you know, on June 1st, August 1st, October 1st, February <laughs> 1st. Any day of the year, Alec and I could have a random conversation about the Knicks, right? It's just, it's just how we are. It's how most Knicks oh, yeah. fans are. And um, this is not a discount of the Nets. They are going to be well talked about. We actually talked about them on our uh, most recent NBA podcast. So no shade at the Nets. We're not KD in it over here. But Alec and I, as we do on this podcast for years, or as we've done on this podcast for years, we're going to continue to do. And that is this talk about the Knicks. We're going to shoot the breeze because we love it. And the preseason has started for the Knicks. So Alec, um, Dennis Smith didn't play. Uh, but Randall got in a, got in there. Marcus Morris bopped Justin Anderson on the head with a ball. Frankie Smokes was involved. Is it a Kevin, bop or a boop? A bop. It was a bop and a boop. I think he he bopped him with the elbow and then booped him with the ball. <laughs> I think if, for the technical <laughs> breakdown. Um, but first preseason game and general vibes right now for the New York Knicks. How are we feeling? I love it. You heard, you heard the the sneaker squeaking, right? Which is exactly what you want to see. Ooh, yeah. You saw uh, good chemistry on the floor. Uh, especially for early in the preseason, which you don't usually see. Good playmaking. You saw Knox being aggressive, which is everything you want to see out of Knox, right? Just no hesitation, making threes, driving to the hoop, playing well off the ball. Uh, Frank played well-ish, right, which is something you want to see too. Uh, I I was impressed with Peyton uh, a lot. Uh, especially because I, I don't think I think that people kind of are just assuming that DSJ is going to get the, the starting point guard spot, and I don't know that that's true. I think Peyton plays well on this team, and I think that actually having Dennis Smith Jr. on the bench might be the best possible thing if you give him the 25 minutes and you just split it out, right? If, if you give him good minutes and, and just set solid rotation where these players know who are where who they're going to be playing with and when they're going to be playing with them, uh, you know, and that 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 goes on Fizdale, but. Uh, you know, Mitch, Mitch had his blocks. He had four blocks, which you like to see. Um, and, and I, I love the aggressiveness by Marcus Morris and love that he didn't get suspended because that would have been nonsense if he got suspended. I was shocked <laughs> they gave him a flagrant two for a boop. Yeah, for a boop. I think it was partially like the elbow swing into the boop, but nonetheless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, quick aside before I give my, my early season, early preseason breakdown, I played against Mitchell Robinson in 2K last night. And uh, oh, yeah. he jumped at every pump fake. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking like with Nikola, I was playing with Nikola Jokic out on the key, like top of the key, three-pointer, pump fake. Mitchell Robinson jumped eight times. It was incredible. So 2K may have something uh, up their sleeve that hopefully we don't see as much in the regular season out of Mitch because uh, 
he definitely loves to jump, but he's got to make sure he's in control, not in foul trouble, and all that fun stuff. But my general vibe so far is this thing that Marcus Morris has kind of – how do I explain it? He has forced onto the culture of this team this toughness that he wants to bring, that he clearly prides himself on, that he believes he has in his game and in his life – this toughness, this dog mentality that he wants to bring back the old school Knicks thing, right? Whatever he's been saying, you've been hearing it. Marcus Morris is all about bringing the dog back to the garden. And I love that mentality. Um, I wasn't truly convinced that Marcus Morris is this culture setter. Uh, I wasn't truly convinced that Julius Randle will be a culture setter. But I think combining two younger or like middle of their career guys like Morris and Randall with a Taj Gibson um, with Alfred Payton, who's been on four teams now and is scrappy and had some really awesome moments last year. I think there is a path for this team to define an identity. And I think that's the most important thing you and I, you know, we probably get a little too excited sometimes when we're entering a Knicks season, we're always kind of choosing the over for their, for their team. And we've been burned the past couple of years. Right. But what we've really asked for hasn't been unrealistic. What we've asked for has been creating a culture, um, defining your offensive game plan, defining your defensive game plan, taking those baby steps and going from the 14th team in the East to the 12th team in the East to the 9th team in the East to fighting for the playoffs. We're not asking for a uh, 13th to a 3 seed. We're not, that's not what we're looking for. We want to see culture. We want to see young players playing hard, fighting for their position. And I think with this combination of Wayne Ellington's and Reggie Bullock's and R.J. Barrett's and Kevin Knox's, nobody's minutes are guaranteed. And most of these guys have a lot to prove. In fact, I'd say 90% of them have a lot to prove because R.J. Barrett might be the only guy in the roster who has a really long leash, right? Because he was just drafted. If he stinks this year, it's pretty normal for a rookie to stink. But Knox is, is almost at the put-up or shut-up time. Frank is beyond put-up or shut-up time. Mar- <laughs> Marcus Morris, uh, Alfred Payton, Taj Gibson, Reggie Bullock, these guys are all on um, one-year deals, right? One-year deals. So if, it's, if you don't show that you can be a part of a good team, a good organization, do something positive on the basketball court and affect your teammates in, in a proper manner – like it, you're you're not getting what they're looking for. You know what I'm saying? So I think this this weird mix of power forwards, young people, and veterans. Right now, I like the vibes a lot. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's only going to get better because we have uh, draft capital going forward. So um, I mean, I, I, does it me or does this year just feel a little different from the past couple of years? I, you know, I, I always pause when I say that because I feel like we have said it before, you know? Like, I feel like we we find a way to say that, like, every single year, but there is something different. Like, this team right now is not the team last year, right? It is way more talented. It is way deeper. The Knicks are not fantastic at any position, right? Julius Randle's the best player on the team. Marcus Morris is a bona fide starter in this league. Alfred Payton is a starter on probably, you know, probably close to, 10 teams, right? He's not yeah, like he's not he's not a, he's not a bona fide starter, but he's a bona fide rotation guy. He's in the rotation on every team. I think the biggest Mitch, Mitch is a bona fide starter. Eh, you know, well yeah, first he's he's a starter. He's a starter on 14 teams probably. You know, he's not a top 10 center by any means, not yet. He has the potential to be. But there's actual talent and there's depth on this roster that didn't exist in the past, and I think these position battles and these battle these battles for minutes 
are going to be super real. Like Dennis Smith Jr. is such a key person for the Knicks this year because yep. he's about to finish his rookie contract. He's close to it, right? If he can't beat Alfred Payton out for a starting job and prove that he learned how to uh, become a true point guard in today's NBA, which is a scorer, but it's also a facilitator. It's also calming down the team. It's playing some defense. If he can't prove that, then he then he's shit out of luck. He's not getting the contract he expected, you know? So you have this vibe where people are pushing each other. People seem to want to be there, and I think the vibe is better. To say it's different or it's some spectacular thing is probably overstated, but there is not one doubt in my mind that is a it is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm, I'm, I fully expect them to be playing comp- competitive basketball in the second half of the season, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for the first time in like three or four years, that that's you know a really good season for us. Um, I, I can see them battling for an eight seed. I don't know. I don't know that they make an eight seed. They're definitely not winning a championship this year, but they have depth at every position. Um, you you can't show me. A, you know they don't have any. Everyone on the team belongs in the NBA in my opinion. Right. And right? in years past, you couldn't something... say that. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's plenty of lineups out there where Alexi Shved was out there, right? Where Lou <laughs> Amundsen was starting oh, for gosh. us, where Quincy AC was our starting center. You know, <laughs> we, we've had, so we, we have not been able to say that everyone on our team deserves to be on an NBA team in a long time. I mean, you look at people we played, we had playing last year, like, Lance Thomas, uh, I mean, I, I didn't think he was going to get signed on a team this year. I, I was shocked that the, the, the Nets took him. But, um, yeah, but you know, he's, he's Baker, a gr- Lance Thomas is a great 14th guy on your team, you know? Like, you no, love. But is he, though? You is, love, he, is he, or are we just buying into the media? Like, I, you know, I'm a big Lance, uh, Lance Thomas hater. But I mean, he seems like he a great guy. No, I mean, as far, like, as far as culture. I mean, he may have been the only little inkling of culture the Knicks have had over the past three well, years. But we, have, we didn't have any culture. That's so my point, like, though. But if he's the only a, guy. If you're the world's tallest midget, it doesn't mean you're, you know, it, it doesn't mean you're doing well, anything. Like, like you're, you're what, I, what I assume is, you know how, like, James Jones was on the Heat teams and, like, apparently he was just one of those guys who, like, LeBron, even though he wasn't a great player, like, LeBron could just, like, kind of listen to or confide in. Uh, he always worked his ass off even if he was never going to see the court. Like he was just a guy who was always around, leading for exa- leading by example, listening, talking to the young guys, taking those like little. He's basically an assistant coach who practices with the team. Like that's so who. Signed into an assistant coach deal. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not trying to make this that? about. I'm not trying to make this about Lance Thomas. Wait, hold on. I got. I always I, want to make it about Lance Thomas. <laughs> I got something to read here. I got something to read because <clears throat> I thought this was really cool. I talked about culture setting by Marcus Morris and Julius Randall. Didn't know exactly what they had. As the two, you know, spokesmen of the team after Fisdale, right? It's those two. It's Randall and Morris, right? So this whole Kevin Durant on Hot 97 thing happens where they ask him questions about the Knicks. Kevin Durant says, you know, for the guys younger than me, they haven't really even seen the Knicks be that good, which is a fair statement. He's like, so I don't know if people think the Knicks are cool. Like, what, what makes it cool to be on the Knicks? Again, it hurts to hear it. It's a fair statement. Let's be real. They haven't been good. Um, in like our lifetime, not counting the 99 where we were five years old, like that doesn't really count for me since the turn of the century. We've had two, two truly fun seasons, really, right? It's not, it's not great. So Kevin Durant, that whole thing gets blown up. It's on all the talk shows and whatnot. Obviously all the Knicks players and coaches are going to get talked, uh, asked about it. So this is what Julius Randle said. And damn, did I love this response? So this is Julius Randle quote, <clears throat> shit, I feel cool in blue and orange. I don't know about everybody else, but I feel pretty cool wearing my Knicks gear every day. It's a dream come true for me. 
everybody has their own opinion. And I know Kevin Durant, I don't think he meant it as a slight, honestly. I feel cool every day walking into this practice facility. And I know for sure I'm going to feel cool walking into the Garden Friday night knowing that's my home court. End quote. Like, that is a cool collected, no shade at somebody else, no reason to blow it up, no reason to, to make something out of nothing, but a confident, happy response where he's like, I don't know about anybody else. I'm younger than Kevin Durant, and I'm thrilled to be here, and I think it's damn cool to be a New York Nick. I don't know about you, but that thing, that quote right there jacked me up a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I've been – Going all off of uh, going on the internet a ton about that Kevin Durant thing because it pissed me off. Uh, because you you can say that the Knicks aren't good. If there's one thing the Nets aren't is cool. Nobody will care about the Nets. Like I understand that they might be a little bit more like people will have eyes on them. They will still not pack out that stadium, uh, that arena. Ooh, it, I it disagree. Will still be mostly Knicks. Now nah, bullshit, dude. If you look oh, at game two, are you talking the, about Knicks versus the, Nets? The, uh, just in general, it's it's a Knicks town. It will always be a Knicks town. That's like saying that. Like, I, I don't mean to be mean, but like it's it, it, the Mets will always be second fiddle to the Yankees. Right? Oh, yeah. No sure. matter what, the, the Clippers will still be second fiddle to the Lakers this year. I don't care if, if the Clippers win, win the championship. They still got a ton to, ton to go before they're uh, uh, on the same level as the Lakers. The Nets are not cool. The, ne- the Nets all were, have been good. That's the difference, right? It's not about being cool. It's about being good. And, and, and I, that just annoyed me. And I'll tell you one thing. Kevin Durant having nothing to do this year except talk to the media is going to turn out wonderfully. <laughs> I, love I cannot it. wait for that. He is going to just, he's going to destroy his reputation with the media. Uh, well, the media will love him, but uh, with the fans before game one that he starts with the, in a Nets jersey. I mean, he, this like the stupidest thing in the world for him to just to really to come to New York. I mean, I know I wanted it as a Knicks fan, but him, him with a year at the podium is just going to be so stupid. I, uh, um, I disagree personally. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Kevin Durant. I think he's a cool guy. I think he keeps it more real or realer, I guess, than most with other his burner accounts. Yeah, with his burner accounts and all. I think since then, especially, he's kept it as real as anybody in the league. He is willing to talk. He don't want to. He don't want stupid questions. He'll. That's why he went on Hot 97. So he only got three of those questions and not twelve of those questions. You know what I'm saying? He. I think he is probably one of the more misunderstood guys we have in the league, and I disagree. I think by the time he's back playing on the Nets, like they're going to have another playoff run. They're not going to be fantastic, but they'll be solid. I think by the time Kevin Durant's healthy and on the Nets again, um, Barclays is going to be blowing up. I think Barclays, the tickets are already astronomically higher than they were the past couple of years. And yet there's still a ton available. <laughs> you look well, at yeah. game one and game two, there's a ton of tickets available. You know, second market, whatever. There's always tickets available. I don't know, dude. You can get it straight from the website. They're not nothing sold out. I, I, I you know, I, I think that they're gonna have a different story when they're they're not selling those tickets for fifteen dollars like they have in years past when we used to go on a Tuesday night and said, Hey, screw it, let's go to a Nets game. Right. It's not gonna be the same thing. And they're not going to be as good as people think they're gonna be this year, right? And, and you know, people assume they're going to be a, a one seed because they signed nah. both of them. But you know, this isn't this, this isn't that year. It's they're like a, they're like a four year. or five seed. I don't even know if they're a four or five seed. I think that they're. I don't think that they're. You can you could tell me that they're worse this year than they are last year with all the people that they lost uh, and Kyrie not being a definitive upgrade to D'Lo. Um, 
Uh, and I would believe I, I, I could see them being worse this year than last year. I could also see them being better this year than last year. But I, I think they're in the bottom half of the East, uh, which is uh, bottom half of the the, the playoffs. The, the playoffs, yeah. Right, obviously, right, right. obviously they're making the playoffs. But, yeah, they're not. Um, <laughs> they're better than the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I, I, obviously that. But I, I, I don't. They're they're not competing for a championship this year. There is no, no way in hell that they're competing. I don't for a think. I don't think people think that. I don't think people think that. But I think a lot of people think that. I think those people are stupid. I agree, but I think you know, a lot of people are stupid. And a lot of people that I think the most people are stupid. And I think a lot of people think that they're going to be a competitive team this year for a championship, which is silly. Yeah, I mean they still have they have a good player. I love I love Karis Levert. I love Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Joe Harris. They got some real some real dudes over is, there. Is Jared Allen going to be starting over DeAndre? Jordan? Oh yeah, I think I think he is in preseason, and he better be. I mean DeAndre Jordan is like a statue right now. I was I was just I was just wondering because I mean I, to me the signing DeAndre Jordan with with KD and Kyrie meant that they wanted DeAndre Jordan to play. And DeAndre Jordan's a lot younger than people think he is. I think he's only like 30 or 31. Yeah, people I think you're act right. like he's 36. But I feel like if you sign DeAndre Jordan to that money – uh, with those players around him, it's it's you know it's a little bit like a you know it's my boys. I want to play with my boys, and I don't want him coming off the bench. Uh, that might have been a stipulation, but no, we'll see. I'm just curious there. It's definitely possible, but I'm pretty sure the early reports out of preseason that Jared Allen will be starting. Um, I mean, a thick seven footer who who runs and jumps like that for ten years, he's going to start to get worn down. And you saw it with the Knicks. No, I'm with you. You know, I, we'll see. We'll see. Let's get back to the Knicks here. I want to end in a couple minutes here. Um, just pick out one guy for me on the Knicks that you are just you're excited to watch a little more so than others. Uh, it could be anybody. It can be a Randall like top tier player, a mid tier player, or a prove it guy. Sure. Yeah. No. I, I'm. Uh, can I give you two? Yeah. Sure. Two quick ones. Uh, Dot and and Iggy. Those nice. are my two guys to Ignis. watch this year. Very nice. Yeah. No. I, I I think I think Dot has shown with the minute when he gets consistent minutes that he's a really solid rotational player on on the team. He's not a star, but he, he's a he's a role player, and you need a player like him on a championship team. Uh, and then Iggy, I love I love me a second round pick, right? I, yes. I'll, I'll always, I mean, you, you, Dot is a second round pick, right? I, I, I love the Clee Anthony Earlys of the world and whatnot, and, uh, but you know, I think the Knicks have done a really really good job drafting uh, under under Perry. Uh, Mitch was a steal in the second round, and I think that Iggy's going to be a steal in the second round too. I think he's going to be the next. Fred Van Vliet type of player, with, you know, that just brings that intensity I to the floor. It. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that he, he might play in the D League this year, uh, but you know, when he does play for the Knicks, I, I'm excited to watch him. I, I think he's a he's a real like gutty player, and, and I like that. Yeah, the problem is with the Knicks roster is the depth, right? So like Iggy, yeah. Iggy's a guy who I think everybody wants to see. He can shoot, and he's a smart player who's not small. I think. Those are three things that describe an NBA player. You can shoot, you know what you're doing, and you're not a midget out there, right? So those are <laughs> th- those are three really important qualities. But when you think about Knox, Bullock, Ellington, Bobby Portis, Marcus Morris, R.J. Barrett, and Damian Dotson, those guys are kind of all in the Iggy range of position. So it'll be tough for him to find minutes. Um, but I also do think, and this is a quick note here, uh, at post post trade deadline. Who knows if Ellington or Bullock gets shipped to a contender for a late first, early second, whatever it may be, uh, and that'll open up this opportunities for, you know, Iggy to run wild and for Dot to run yep. wild. Uh, so it could be very different in February than in November. Uh, the two guys I'll call out, I'll go with two as well. I'm going with Dennis Smith Jr. just because talent-wise, he is the best point guard on this team, talent-wise. 
The guy can do it yep. all. He can drive. He has touch. He apparently changed his jump shot. Worked on that a lot this summer. He he's shown some signs of passing last year with the Knicks, and he has the tools to be a good defender. He's in a put up or shut up mode now, right? Like like I said before, so I'll repeat it again and I'll move on. If he can't beat out Alfred Payton for a starting job, he's got a lot of a lot more looking in the mirror to do. So I think he is a linchpin for this team. If he can turn into a true NBA starting caliber point guard, I mean, you could you could really make that Porzingis trade feel a lot better no matter what happens with future cap space, no matter what happens with those two Mavs picks. If Dennis Smith Jr. can be 18 and 7, uh, and and decent defense. That's a decently tall task, but for what his numbers were this first couple years of his career, th- year three, year four, year five, are really the years that point guards do take that extra big step. So I'm excited to see Dennis Smith Jr. And then here's my prediction for the New York Knicks this season. Um, Julius Randle's an all-star in the East. How about that? I think Julius Randle averages over 20 points, 21-22 points, nearly 10 rebounds. I think Fizz is going to have him running Pick and roll as the ball handler. Pick and roll as the screener. He's been working on his jump shot. I think Randall's an all-star in the East. Is that crazy? Yeah, I think it's crazy. I, I, I think your uh, idea that um, just because you're uh, on the Knicks and, and you're a good player, you're automatically an all-star. Um, I, I mean, I think he's going to have a very good year. I, you know, I just don't think that he has the national popularity. I think that the fact that when the Knicks signed him, people thought of it as a bad signing – Shows you. I loved I think it. A lot of people. Stupid. Wow. That was dumb because they just were like, we didn't get Kevin Durant. We got Julius Randle. We're stunk. No, I, I agree with you, but I, I think that that just shows that, that people don't care about Julius Randle. They don't know how good he's been. And for someone who's gotten better every year that he's been in the league, right? He's gotten every year he's made improvements to his game. So I, I think he's going to have a very good year. Uh, you know, I think he's a star now on the, you know, and I think he could take the leap into superstardom, but I just don't think that he has the national popularity to, to be an all-star. And, and that's all it is at the end of the day. The all-star is a, is a, uh, it's a popularity contest, right? 22, nine and four and a half all-star Julius Randall. Uh, but if I'm being more honest about me wanting to watch Julius Randall, I think his offense is undeniable. So I want to see him play some defense. That's it. He's he's got that bully ball mentality on offense. I want to see him physical, dominant, and rebounding on the defensive end, especially if Mitch is chasing blocks like he does, which is fun to watch, but sometimes yeah, um, yeah. sometimes hurts the defense. We need Randall to to slide to play defense to help out and to rebound the crap out of the ball. So if we're talking fun predictions, I'm saying Randall could be an all star. If we're talking seriousness, I want to see Randall improve on defense like he did on offense the past couple of years. Um, well, that's it. Alec Argento and Pete Kennedy on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Just about an hour. A nice, tight episode. Some good Yankees talk. Ooh. Some great Knicks talk. This has been a lot of fun. You have any last words for the SBNY podcast? Oh, it's nice doing old school SBNY podcast with you, buddy. It feels like three years ago. This is just straight SBNY right here. We just talked 40 on the Yankees, 20 on the Knicks, and I'm a happy freaking <laughs> camper. Also, go Giants Thursday night. This is uh, being released on Thursday morning. Thursday night, go Danny Dimes, go Giants, see if they can do anything against the Pats. You think they got a chance? I mean, I, so, no, I, I don't even I, know who they're we'll, rolling out there. <laughs> <laughs> when I say a chance, I mean. Out, take one's out, Wayne Goldman's out, Terry Shepard's out. I mean, Alec Ogletree, I think it's a lot of Lawrence the car. I and mean, the whole team is is, is sick fitting at the moment. So, so we're, we're, we're not going to be great. When I say has a chance, I mean cover the 17-point spread. I don't think so. All right. But... I so. I'll tell you this. I haven't missed a giant game in years. I felt no shame 
going uh, buying movie tickets for tomorrow during the Johnny game. I put I put it that way. <laughs> well, enjoy Joker. I'll be enjoying I the will. Giant game. I'll be listening to that. I mean, watching that and uh, hopefully having a good time. Um, that's it, though. Alec Argento. I'm Pete Kennedy. Sports Blog New York Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Go Yanks.